Worldwide parent coach and conscious educator, Sue DeCaro, is on a mission to revitalize the joy in parenting. Welcome to Conscious Parents, Thriving Kids, a podcast designed to help parents all over the world create deeper connections with themselves and their children while overcoming life's daily parenting challenges. Listen in if you want to bring more laughter, love, and enjoyment to your home life. Welcome to Conscious Parents Thriving Kids, a place for all things parenting. I am your host, Judy Caro. On today's episode, I'm thrilled to welcome my special guest, Randy Spelling. Randy is the founder and head happiness honcho at Randy Spelling Coaching. He's been coaching people for over 14 years, helping them live better lives, reach new levels of success, and find lasting happiness. He is a passionate practitioner of change and result. Randy had to reverse engineer his life. He was born in Los Angeles, California to one of the most well-known Hollywood families in the entertainment business. He had money, celebrity, and success. And then what else? There was more, always more. And here he is to tell us about his journey. Welcome, Randy. Thank you for joining me. Hi, Sue. It's good to be here. So let's start with the difficulties you faced in finding your passion, your career, and your happiness, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I was always in search of purpose. And I always felt from very early on a, a connection to affecting the world in some way. Um, and it didn't have to be, I'm going to change the world, but I wanted to connect to as many people as possible. I was always the one that wanted the best for people, really caring about other people's feelings at times way too much because, um, you know, I sacrificed myself in that. Um, and so I, I just was on this search for purpose and the family business was entertainment. So I went into entertainment. I was an actor for a while and it was great, right? It, it gave me a, a, an incredible set of tools to do the work that I do now because I can act out what's happening for people, whether it's something that's going on in their mind, something that's happening with their family. And as you know, it's, it's so easy to help someone else. But when it comes to your own life, we all have blind spots. So in what I do and how I coach people, one of the, one of the things that uh, my entertainment background has helped is I can literally become them or become someone in the family and show them what it's like. And if they can see it outside of themselves, they go, oh, okay, I, yeah, mm, I don't want to do that. Or yeah, I need to change that. So yeah, long story short here, I, I went in the entertainment business, was really trying to find my way. And it led to a series of, of trials. You know, I, I, I was an actor and then I thought maybe I wanted to make movies. Then I went into the music business and every single time I found a little piece of myself, but I really got that. No, not quite right. Not quite right. And some of the, um, some of the searching led to trying to fill myself with the wrong things, you know? alcohol, drugs, substances, whatever I could find to try and soothe myself. As we know, that didn't work. And from my case, it worked horribly, uh, almost caused me 
to die many a time. And then I did a 180. You know, I, I changed, removed the obstacles, uh, sort of got through the addiction and then went on a whole self journey to figure out who I was, why I'm here, how do I want to walk on this planet and live my purpose. Beautiful. I mean, obviously your journey is filled with uh, what one might call missteps or learning in the wrong way, or perhaps in the right way. You know, I think by the steps we take, we learn so much about ourselves, our strengths and, um, and what lies in. And sometimes there's the journey is very dark in order to get to the light. And I imagine that your incredible experience helps you to support the people that you work with because you've been perhaps, can I call it the dark? You've been in the dark place. Oh yeah. Oh yes. Yes. <laughs> I think it gives an incredible amount of empathy and compassion. And I think it's very hard to have empathy without having some shared experience. And I know early on, a lot of people would say, what does he know? Right. He was born with a silver spoon in his mouth. He had everything. He grew up in this huge mansion and everything was easy for him. And yeah, on some levels, I never struggled uh, to buy a pair of shoes, right? So I didn't necessarily know that struggle early on. I knew that a little bit more, um, you know, later on in my 20s, early 30s. But, uh, but the struggle was, who am I? How do I find happiness? I don't like who I am. I don't feel enough. Um, I don't feel that uh, I can contribute in the ways that I want. Things feel hard for me where as I'm looking at other people, comparing to them, and I'm looking at myself going, they can do it. They can life and they seem to be okay. Why can't I? Why is it so hard for me? So there was so much of a deficit, an inner deficit that I had to fill and work through that I have an incredible amount of empathy for anyone going through any sort of struggle because you can name it 50 different things, but struggle is struggle. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad you bring up the, the um, financial side. You know, the, the amount of worth that you might have, financially speaking, does not fill your internal uh, void your internal being. And so, you know, you can have all the money in the world, but that doesn't mean that happiness, you know, is, is part of that. It's the inner happiness, the inner joy, the inner fulfillment has nothing to do with materialistic opportunities or things. And I think yeah. that so many struggle with that. So many struggle with that, but we're fed this, right? right? I mean, this is something, and, I, and I'm not saying it's society's fault that we are the way that we are, Think about it like this. Um, and, and by the way, I don't, I don't judge anyone who drinks or does whatever. I'm not that person. But look at our movies. I was just telling a friend this the other day. Anytime something bad happens, what's the first thing that they do? They go, they pour a drink, they're stressed. They get, and this becomes ingrained. We, we don't realize this. It becomes ingrained. The first time I ever drank, was because that's what I thought you do. I, I was, my friend and I were 13 and we were going to go on a double date and these two girls canceled. They stood us up. And I thought, oh, and I was a little bit disappointed, right? I wasn't heartbroken, but what do we do, right? 
now we're bored. We have time to fill and they stood us up. So we're going to go drink. And this is so prevalent. So the same thing when it comes to money and happiness is I, I think because of capitalism and consumerism is it really is the, the better car, the better house, the more space, the more freedom and choice you have. This is true, right? More space, you have more freedom within that space. But to a certain degree, and there are all these studies that have been done that show that after a certain point, when you get out of survival, right? Because that's a real thing. When you get out of survival and you're making what I think it's a few hundred thousand a year, maybe it's in the 200s, anything too much more than excess, it doesn't contribute to happiness. And in some ways it detracts. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I think you bring up such important points, especially for parents right now, is the conditioning. And so, you know, we're conditioned by society, cultural conditioning. And of course, we're all conditioned by our childhood and how we were raised and what values we were taught and what success looked like through childhood, whether, you know, success was academics, money or, you know, internal connection, right? So this conditioning often in, in my line of work, and I imagine yours too, overshadows the, the true self, the real person. Can you share your thoughts on that from, from you know, the people perhaps that you work with and just what you're seeing in terms of our conditioning? I know I came into parenting with this horrible view of what it was going to look like, you know, this Norman Rockwell, and it wasn't. And I was like, now what? You know, my kids are nothing like I expected them to be, you know, this picture of this dream. And I was, you know, I was repeating my conditioning until I learned better and was able to do better. And I think that for so many people, it's not only the life you're living, but it's these little people that we are also, you know, guiding and supporting through their journey that we need to unpack our own to do it. Wow, there is so much richness in what you just said. Thank you. I, it's conscious parenting and, you know, take one little step and it's conscious living. And I think um, it's really a gift. You, you don't need to have children to become conscious, but it's also a gift to have children because I think there's this, what, what I hear from people, and I had this too, this idealistic, here's what it's going to be like to have children. It's going to be this, it's going to be that. And partially it is that, but you're always going to meet yourself. Those children are always going to mirror your patterns. And typically, as you see in your work, those patterns come from your upbringing and perhaps even come from the lineage of ancestry. Mm -hmm. You know, if you even look at abuse, you can trace that pretty far back. If you look at one family member doesn't speak to another, somewhere in there, oh yeah, and so-and-so didn't speak to each other. They were, they were split, you know, they were estranged. So it's really interesting to find those patterns. And we all say, you know, we're not gonna become the worst parts of our parent or parents. And guess what? we are always faced with that shadow self of the worst part of our parent, or we just do things as a parent where we go, that felt terrible. I'm not going to do that. And then you find yourself reprimanding or saying phrases that you go, Oh, 
oh my gosh, I just said, I just sounded like one of my parents. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And you're looking into the mirror all the time. All the time. All the time. So you can either just continue that unconsciously, or you can become conscious and say, I want to do better because of my children. I don't want this for my children. And I think that's something very beautiful where parents can see outside themselves to say, well, I don't know if I would take the time and the effort to change this within myself. Maybe it feels too hard or, you know, I'm, I'm a bit hopeless or I am the way that I am. That's one I hear all the time. But when it comes to your child, you know, it's amazing when I say to someone, would you say what you say to yourself? You know, if you're beating yourself up, if you're speaking negatively to yourself, would you say that to your child? Oftentimes I get tears or a, a deep pause or a, oh my gosh, I would never say that. So people will do something different for their children that they, would, they wouldn't do for themselves. So it's a great way to become conscious through this raising of children. Yeah, absolutely. And the awareness, you know, the first step I like to say, the awareness that, you know, the kids are the mirror, that we are stepping into the muck of our past, or we are doing things or repeating things that maybe we didn't enjoy those things that we said, I'll never do this, or I'll never do that. And, you know, I don't know if you find this, but self-compassion is something that most of us were not taught. Um, you sound like a very compassionate human being. So hopefully you were able at a young age or at some point being able to learn to bring that compassion home. But when you talk about the things we say to ourselves, we wouldn't say it to a child. We also wouldn't show that negative self-talk or negative reflection to a friend. We have far more you know, compassion and understanding and empathy for the world around us than we ever show ourselves. And so through your work, I'm curious, do you help people connect with their self-compassion and their ability to heal by bringing love to themselves? I do. It's a huge part of my work. And everyone can grow in this area. It's, it's interesting, even people who are would consider themselves extremely confident, some of the way that they talk to themselves it may have made them successful to a point. You know, it's almost like um, something works, even if it's not good for you, it works until it doesn't. And uh, people hit the ceiling with this. So yeah, self-compassion, mindset, inner dialogue, ways of speaking to yourself is something that should be taught in every single home. It should be taught in every school because this is in my opinion, the education of the future. I'm not as interested in a child learning every single subject perfectly so they can be wonderfully well-rounded. I want a child to be able to speak to themselves in a way where they can try something and fail and be okay with it. Or they can ask for help. They could say, I'm not strong here, I need support but they can be proactive for themselves. And if a child or adult, if that's not built in, then it becomes a story. And it's a negative story that gets repeated in the mind, which then becomes a belief 
which then becomes a barrier later on to get through, which is always harder. It's possible. And I'm, you know, you, me, we're breaking through those barriers with people every single day. But, you know, it's a lot easier when you don't have 20 plus years of practicing a negative belief and retelling a negative story about yourself. Right. Yeah. So we need to raise our children with compassion and empathy for themselves, as well as resilience. And, and I think what I'm also hearing is that success doesn't mean, you know, A's and B's and learning all of these subjects and being the most intelligent. Success is really about connecting internally with oneself, knowing who you are and being able to be comfortable in your own skin. Correct? Absolutely. I mean, I'm reminded of the, you know, teach a man to fish or teach a man, woman, enter in any pronoun, you know, we could enter in there. Um, it's the thing, it's teaching how to be a sturdy human being because anything from there, if you know how to swim, you're going to be okay in the water. If you know how to survive for two days in the woods, you're going to be okay in that situation. So it, it's teaching people how the life skills, empathy, compassion, but also how to fail, also how to go after things and not do it well. In fact, do something terrible and still have the tenacity to keep going to get better. Yeah. And in an interview I had earlier today, misstep was a word we used instead of mistake, misstep. It just sounds a lot more... I don't kinder, I guess. So Randy, talk a little bit, if you don't mind, about how you're raising your children and how they are learning. I'm, I'm not sure how old your kids are right now, but how they're learning these skills and what you're modeling for them. Sure. Um, I have a 10-year-old and an eight-year-old, two girls. Um, I, so we don't do any screens in our house. Um, it was something we decided early on and we st so far have still upheld that. That doesn't mean that I'm never on my phone. I mean, I still have my phone. They know what Instagram is or they know what TikTok is. They've maybe seen a couple things, but they are not, they don't have phones. They're not on it. Um, we don't sit and watch TV and I got a lot of flack for that. A lot of people, uh, you know, extended family and friends or whatever. What do you mean? You, you, they don't have an iPad or an iPhone or they're not like, how, how? And that's a little bit weird. And, but there's just, there's so much to navigate that we really wanted to create this imaginative inner world where they go in their room and they like to play by themselves for a little bit, they can entertain themselves. They're not just looking for outside entertainment. So we really wanted to cultivate this inner world. Um, we talked probably way too much when they were little uh, about everything at nauseam. We'd have friends come over and we would talk things out and our friends would just be looking at us going, what is <laughs> happening? <laughs> um, we taught a lot about feelings and communication uh, you know, when something is, when there's a struggle right now, we will sit down, we'll make them face each other. And they have all these different communication exercises that we've practiced so they can go through it. 
And as best we can, we try and emulate this. I'm not perfect. I'm not a perfect parent. I actually had a moment this morning, which is very rare for me. And I thought, oh, of course this is happening because I'm talking to you today. I had a moment where I lost my patience, but here's the weirdest thing. It wasn't unconscious. I knew, I saw that I was about to blow a fuse, but I'm also teaching right now. We're working a lot on boundaries and saying stop means stop because I sure as heck don't want them in a situation where they're not able to assert themselves and know their boundary and have someone listen to them. And if they want someone to listen to them, they have to be able to do that to themselves and um, with us. So my, my youngest was testing me and pushing and she woke up in a mood. She was upset about something, which, you know, normally we would sit and talk out and I'm making breakfast and, uh, I was taking a picture of something and she kept sticking something in, in front. And I said, please stop, please, please don't do that. I would really appreciate. And I, I worked it about five or six times. And I even said, I'm really losing my patience. Please don't do this again and listen to my boundary. And she did it again. And I went through the roof. She started crying, went upstairs. Now, after that, I did a repair and it was, it was just fine, but I chose to do that. And I, I had this, all this inner dialogue. Oh my gosh, am I a terrible parent? I, I, I can't believe I got myself to that point. But something that I realized is I actually chose that because I wanted her to know if someone is disrespecting your boundary over and over and over again, it's okay to get strong. I didn't, I didn't hurt her. I didn't touch her. I wasn't, I just really asserted myself and they're not used to that because I'm usually very soft-spoken and very patient, but it was, it was a little bit of like, I'm going to show this in the moment because it's needed. So I don't know if it was right or wrong, but it happened. And that's, I'm, I'm so appreciative that you could share that. And I, I think there's a few things here. One is you're a human being, you're a human being. There is no perfect parenting. And I think that word perfect needs to be removed from our dialogue because it is so heavy with all sorts of things that can take us down the wrong lane. And so, you know, uh, no matter how many years we've been practicing consciousness, conscious living, conscious parenting, what have you, there's still moments where we might choose to lose it, or we might be setting a a modeling exercise when we do lose it, which, you know, it sounds like you were modeling as well, that when you have boundaries and someone is pushing them several times, five times, I think you said, it's okay to lose it a little bit. You're not harming or hurting another person. And so, you know, I think even if you had screamed your head off, I think the the point is that we are human beings and we are going to lose it from time to time. And it gives us the opportunity to do something else in modeling, which you beautifully described, the repair, that we as human beings are here to repair the things that we do as human beings, not as perfect people, but as ones that make missteps, as my friend called it this morning, and, and can take those missteps and and repair and have a conversation about what happened and why it happened. So that is enormous. What a beautiful gift for your kids, all of these things that you shared. And if I could also just highlight 
I teach parents all over the world how important it is for them to have values, personal family values, not what the Smiths do next door or what everybody in school is doing or what their families are doing, but their own values that they can quietly listen to internally, that voice inside that says, like you have heard, uh, you know, no TVs, no screens, we don't need that. We can do other things to enjoy our time. And so I appreciate you sharing that as well, because it really is an honoring, even when you're getting the flack from family, you know, and coming from the entertainment business that you wouldn't have all this type of entertainment in your home, like how, you know, how different is that? But huge that you have those values and you're offering your children something different that you believe in. Yeah. Yeah. I I do think values are really important. And, you know, I don't, I don't preach from a soapbox at all. I don't think that our way is the way, or I just, that's something that we were conscious of and something where we said, Hey, this is a value of ours, just like food, right? We, we really limit sugar. Um, because, you know, again, I know too much, <laughs> you know, so it's very hard to, to see all the research about sugar and how it, basically it's a neurotoxin refined sugar and to then pump my kids full of sugar. Um, and I happen to have really sensitive girls where, you know, they have a little bit of sugar and I can see it. They're wild and crazy, which you could probably see with most kids, but it's just something that happens. So yeah, we have a lot of those values. And I know some people might think that's harsh or strict or, Hey, lighten up, but it works really well. I I think for the most part, right. Our children are happy, grounded children. We all have things to work out and go through. That doesn't mean when they get older, you know, they won't talk to their friends or their therapists and go, Oh my gosh, you know, here's what our parents did and here's what we had to endure, but I, I'm, we're doing the best that we can. And I think the operative word is be conscious about it. And that's, that's my thing is there are plenty of times, Sue, that I did lose it in the last 10 years and I wasn't conscious. I completely went unconscious. I basically uh, wasn't even in my frontal lobe. It was, I was in lizard brain and was just reacting. This morning was a little bit different. And so, you know, it's just about being conscious. Every day is a new day and every moment is a new moment. And yes, absolutely. It is about being conscious and intentional. I mean, for some people who aren't as familiar with, you know, the the conscious living thought process, it's intentional. It's making intentional choices all day long about how you want to react, respond, engage, connect, talk to yourself, talk to them, you know, and, and be, and be, just be with yourself so that you can have time to process. So, you know, it's a beautiful gift that you're giving your children in terms of the values that are coming from your heart and soul and what you believe in today. Tomorrow, you. you may, you may think of something different or read science that maybe proves sugar wrong. Who knows? You know, yeah, that yeah, everyone totally should true. be having tons of sugar could be tomorrow's. Uh, I doubt it, but you know, um, so it's, it's, you know, we have to stand in those values of ours, knowing that the rest of the world may not see it the same way. And people judge left and right, because that's human nature. And sometimes it's a product of us not looking within ourselves. It's easier to look at what everybody else is doing and make comments 
home projections because it's harder to step inside and say, what do I want? What's this about? Why am I so upset that he doesn't give his kids sugar or he doesn't let his kids watch TV? Why does that upset me? Yeah. And that's the thing that's so, you know, when you look at the the health world at large, when you look at self-help at large, one meditation technique isn't the way. There are so many different ways. It's so individualized that it, you know, it's like, well, this is the path. No, that's your path. And my path could look different. So for some families, you know, hanging out and having movie night and being around the TV might be some of their best memories and best times. That's lovely. Like there's no judgment on that, right? Right. Same thing with sugar. It, it, it might be a family trip to go get ice cream and the kids love those nights and they're going to recall those times where we went out and stayed up late and got sugar. Wonderful. It, it, it doesn't have to be, this is bad and this is good. It's just being aware and conscious of, is this working for you or are you doing it because the kids are continually asking for sugar and you don't want to deal with saying no, right. or you know, is it, is it just easy to watch TV versus go out and do something, but there's a part of you that really wants that experience, but it's, you know, whatever it is, it's just to look at it consciously. Absolutely. Absolutely. Brilliant. And such helpful thoughts and tips, you know, both on your own journey, as well as how you're raising your children. I would love to give you an opportunity to share your work and talk about where people can find you if they're interested in learning more about your coaching practice and what you do. Where can they find you? Sure. Uh, they can find me at randyspelling.com. Um, my website has all my information, all my social media on there as well. Um, and in terms of working with people, I I work with people on many different things uh, all over the world. Uh, I work uh, with incredibly successful people and working on uh, work-life balance, what's working in their lives, what's not. I teach a lot about communication, communication skills, bringing families together. Um, I do that in the workplace as well. And then a big part of my business and my work with people is working with them on confidence, working with them on things where they just haven't made the strides that they've wanted to make and they want to do more in the world or they want to show up differently for their children or even for themselves, right? They get out of bed and they're like, I feel low energy. I just, I'm not living life to the fullest every day. And I know that sounds like pie in the sky, I don't expect someone to wake up out of bed and live a hundred percent every day, but it has to be around 75%. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, if we're honest and anyone can do this listening, what percentage are you at? What percentage are you at right now? What percentage would you give yourself on average on a daily basis? And if it's anything under 75, there's some self-work to do. The good news is it can change. We see it change every single day. It's why I've done this for 14 years and I'm going to continue to do it. Um, but, you know, we, we have to get at that joy and fulfillment in life and purpose at least 75% or greater every day. Yeah, I love that. What a beautiful question too. What percentage are you at? Absolutely. Today's the only day we have, so we might as well live it to our fullest. We don't know what tomorrow looks like. So 
Very true. Thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate you being here and sharing from such an authentic place. Yeah, thank you for asking me to come on. I was really looking forward to this. And thank you to all our listeners. Remember, every moment is a new moment for Conscious Connections. Thanks for listening to Conscious Parents, Thriving Kids. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give us is to share this podcast with a friend. And be sure to give us some stars and a favorable review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in.